Hey friends, it's Kim here. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to encourage you to comment, like, and subscribe to my podcast if you are enjoying it. And you know, hit that little flying airplane arrow to share it with your friends. We really need to share our light. And I really want to encourage and inspire everyone out there to do just that. So today is another episode with a great guest who will hopefully motivate and inspire you to ignite your spark. Thanks for listening. Walk through life. Every day is a new beginning. Shine your light. Welcome back, Sparklers. It's Kim Duff Selby, your host of Ignite Your Spark, the podcast. Welcome back today. I know all of you are going to learn something new that will ignite your spark because my guest today is David Strickle. You may not have heard of him, but you're going to get to know him. And I know you'll want to know more at the end of our time together. David, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. David, tell us a little bit about you. I know that right now you teach something called, you pronounce it, I call it TYA, but you had a little, you call it something. We we call it TYA. It's TYA. It stands for trust your abundance, but we call it TYA. It's the trust your abundance mindset. And I love it because it's all about manifesting, I believe, and the law of attraction. And David utilizes all of those properties, I guess, in his course, courses and talks and Anyway, tell us how you got started in this, um, not exactly arena, but at this part of your life, I guess. Sure, sure. I I have had what I refer to as my knowing my whole life. When I was a little kid, I used to just call it my knowing because when I was really young, I thought everybody had something like that. And I think everybody does. But I was fortunate enough to have sort of disconnected parents. So I was allowed to develop really into my own being as a child. No one was around telling me to, to you know, not have imaginary friends and not pay attention uh, to things that little kids are dreaming up in their imagination, supposedly. And I really came to rely on this knowing to get me through life because my parents divorced when I was really young. Uh, my mother fought for full custody of my brother and I, and then she sort of retreated from being a parent right after that. Mm-hmm. And we were really left to our own devices. And And for me, this knowing is the thing that guided me through life, through a very difficult childhood, very difficult uh, teen years, into adulthood and and into a scenario where I was a rather abundant adult financially, if you will. Uh, People talk about the law of attraction, and very often it's about manifesting something really specific. Usually the top of that list is money, uh, and then health, and then relationships, or some, some sort of order as far as that goes. I really focused on from a poor child perspective, I focused on manifesting money. And I understood that if I believed I had money and I believed I had material things, which as a kid, you focus even more on material things than money, that I would have those things. And, and it happened. I was uh, materialistically at least abundant as a child. And I really carried that into my early adult life. But I also knew that this knowing that I had was something more than what a lot of people were receiving or at least allowing. And in trying to understand what it was, I was going to see psychics 
And I actually had a psychic in Casadega, Florida. We were just talking about Casadega a moment ago. Uh, a psychic in Casadega, Florida, tell me that I was a channel. I had no idea what that was. And how Absolutely old were no how old were you at that point? Uh, I was in my late thirties at this point. So I'd gone through my twenties. Uh, sort of identifying uh, for a little while as an atheist. I renounced religion for a while, uh, but I always knew that there was something more because I had this, this knowing that really spoke to me and gave me a lot of clarity about how the world operates and what my purpose was in life. And it was, it was sort of a 20-year exploration through my 20s and 30s of understanding what this was and what it meant to be a channel. Me very much judging it for a long time as something that I didn't want. I didn't want to be a weirdo. I didn't want to be a person behind, you know, the beads with the candle lit and the crystal ball. And, you know, I was judging all of that stuff and I didn't want any part of it, but it definitely helped me in my, my life. It helped me go from being a, a, a kid that grew up in poverty with a single parent, minimum wage mother with no formal education. I'm dyslexic. I did not do well in school. I'm a Pisces. So very dreamy. Um, I, I always charmed my teachers and kind of got through school, but I really didn't make it past the 10th grade. I went after that and got a GED. I started my own business, uh, had some early success in business, and then went into the corporate world, was very successful in the corporate world. And then I hit my early 40s and realized that I had manifested all the material things I thought I needed to be happy. Big house, luxury cars, great clothes, beautiful furnishings, great travel, best restaurants, all of that stuff. And I still wasn't really happy. There were a lot of other things in my life that weren't working. And I realized that I had taken that knowing, that thing that I actually thought I invented at 14. I remember telling my, my brother, Doug, at 14, that believing that you are something will make you that thing. I didn't know what it was called, but I thought I created it. I thought it was my little personal invention at that age. And then I came later to read... Uh, I think it was Think and Grow Rich was my first law of attraction book. So I, I became a consumer of other people's material regarding law of attraction all the way up to when The Secret was published. Um, I loved seeing that idea going mainstream the way that it did. Thank you, Oprah. And after that, uh, I really got into weight, weaving that thought into my business teachings. And I was a very, very successful business coach and very successful and I realized that it, there, there was more to happiness and joy in life than just having a giant house and fancy cars and clothes and all that stuff. There was other things that were really messed up and missing in my life. So I, I spent the next better part of a decade, my, the decade of my 40s, changing all that. And ultimately, I changed all of it. And the last frontier for me was actually leaving a high-paying corporate job behind with no plan to share this message. And in that path, I had discovered the Abraham Hicks material. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Abraham Hicks. Probably. I have. I mean, and, and whether or not my listeners have or not, they can look into that since that's sure. not really. Sure. You know, can I just, I just want to go back to when you were a child and you were open to manifesting. Do you think there's something to that? I mean, you just sort of believed or when you were 14 or whatever, whenever this knowing began you didn't think twice about it. Do you think it's because you were a child and you just believed? Yes. I, I think that that, I, I think we come pre-equipped with source connection and we come pre-equipped 
with an understanding of universal law as little kids, how whimsical children are, and then then their environment works that out of them. You're set off to school. You're told to really think in 3D. This is the real world. Don't be daydreaming. You need to focus on your schoolwork. Don't have imaginary friends. Don't want to, You don't want to be weird. You don't want to be an outcast. You want to fit in with all the other kids. All that stuff that we're taught. And that starts around age five and six, if right. not sooner. Yeah, it's the well, conditioning. It's yeah, conditioning. around that time, that conditioning, that was my parents split when I was six. And I will tell you, I have a very, very vivid memory. One of my first memories was we lived in uh, Houston, Texas. My parents were still together and we lived in a, a sort of a lower middle class, little tract neighborhood uh, in, in Texas City, Texas, actually south of Houston. And I remember a friend of theirs came by. I don't know who this woman was, but she was some friend and she had just gotten a new Lincoln. And she came by to show off her fancy new car. And I was taken with cars from as soon as I can remember all the way till now. I love cars, love, love, love cars. And it was the fanciest car I'd ever seen, especially up close. I could smell the leather. I could see all the shiny buttons and it had a sunroof. I'd never seen that before. My parents had a Ford Maverick and a Beetle, you know, and as she drove away, I really appreciated that car on a high level. And I remember my parents saying to the effect We'll never have that. She must have done something, something evil to get that. That sort of banter people have when they're jealous. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I, this had to be around six or sooner because my parents were together and they never were after that. I remember thinking to myself, why are you saying that we can have anything that we want? <gasps> that is so wise for such a young human to, to know that, to have that knowing as you call it. And the power of words, so powerful. I can't, I won't, I don't. It's, I, my, I grew up with a father who said, you should remove can't from the dictionary. So I grew I up in that. a different you know, scenario completely where it was all positive and faith-based in terms of, I went to the unity, we went to a unity church too. And I remember as a five-year-old, making a vision board, you know, our, we were told you just create, what would you like to see and cutting out pictures of magazines. So I feel very blessed and very fortunate to have, to have experienced that as a child. But anyway, let's jump fast forward to where, where I interrupted you so rudely, I guess. No, not at all. I wanted to, I can talk and talk and talk. So creating a little (laughs) uh, break in there for yourself is fine. Always. Well, I just, I'm trying to, figure out what people might want to stop and say, wait, sure. what, what about that? Yeah. So let's go into how we were talking about Esther Hicks and, and the channeling and the streaming and you are a channel and you thought, no, I don't want to do that. That's a gypsy thing. That's woo woo. Right. Uh, that's right. not, well, I was Mr. Corporate at that point. I was in suits and working, uh, reporting to the CEO of a fortune 500 company with no education, which was quite a, an achievement in, in our world. And I had people working for me that had to have MBAs and I had a 10th grade education, but I did very, very well. I worked hard. I was very successful at what I did. And what the Abraham message and what Esther's channeling of Abraham did for me was first service confirmation of everything I'd been getting getting my whole life. It was musical to me. Uh, The second thing that she did is, is she made channeling seem okay. She, she just gets up and she's just Esther and she brings Abraham in and, and they just share their message and it's lovely. And it, it wasn't this, this crazy, you know, thing that I judged. 
And I don't call it crazy now, regardless of how people channel, but that's where I was then. It was scary, the, the mediumship idea and the, the, the ridicule, uh, the, the, the people that do these things. And I really worked in that, that eight-year period of transition from discovering the Abraham material and really diving into it to ultimately sort of stepping away from it to develop my own material. That was a very transformative time for me because I learned to release fear and judgment from my life. And how did you do that? Let's let's get to the nitty gritty. How did you do that? You did you all of a sudden decide? Well, I know that I'm getting these downloads from somewhere, and you left the corporate world to pursue that. Is that how it? I realized that that the corporate path was only serving me financially. I enjoyed helping other people be successful. That was a big component of my job. I, I was very successful at coaching and teaching commissioned salespeople how to be really successful, and they were. So I liked that component of it. The other 90% of my job I did not like, and I wasn't passionate about it. The passion sort of went away over time. And the more I allowed what we now call the stream to come through and really dove into it and paid attention to it, the big turning point for me was learning that I had things that I needed to detune about me, meaning I needed to unlearn the condition training that I'd received my whole life. So the reason that my knowing worked so well for me and that I was able to be successful in life in spite of a lack of education, and even with a, a mother who did not make me feel worthy of even being alive, I overcame those things because of this inner voice. But then I got into adulthood and I started shutting the inner voice down and playing with the 3D set of rules that never served me in the first place. And so coming to that realization, it only took me 40 years to get there, but coming to that realization that, wait a minute, when I played by my own set of rules and paid attention to my own inner voice, I got through a rocky childhood feeling worthy, even though I was told that I wasn't wanted. My mother even told me to kill myself at one point as a teenager. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So... Mm. She and I have a much better relationship now that she has uh, crossed over than we ever did when she was alive. So I'm very happy about that. So the, 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 the very things that drove me through that, that, that took me through that childhood into a place of light, I wasn't allowing for 20 years of my adult life. I really wanted to be in the 3D world. And I played in the 3D world enough to where I understood on a deep level, what it was all about, which actually serves me now. I understand what it's like to live in fear and judgment of yourself and of other people. I understand it very well. I didn't really do that much as a kid, but as a young adult, I did. So detuning that, moving through a process of discovering the root, we refer to this as transgressor work. Uh, I know a lot of people call it shadow work. Well, when I developed all this, I was really going inward to develop it. So a lot of our lexicon that we use is our own inner lexicon that does coincide with a lot of other teachings that are out there. But the inner work is finding the root transgressor in every limiting belief. And that's where we really broke away from the Abraham teachings Not that there's anything at all wrong with the Abraham teachings. I wouldn't be doing this today if it weren't for Esther Hicks. Their message is their message, and it's perfect, and it's brilliant, and it serves lots of people, and I think it's exactly what it should be. But for me, getting into that that mindset of just get into the vortex, just get happy, everything that you want comes in that happy state, that didn't fully work for me. And I had to really go into the transgressor stuff 
And what I teach is in the Taya practice, we have four components, four pillars of Taya. And the biggest pillar, the biggest transformative pillar is forgiveness. But we go beyond forgiveness to appreciation. Deep, deep, deep appreciation of all of our transgressors. And that is not a popular mainstream thought by any means. Uh, because the first thing people say is, well, I was beaten as a child, or I was sexually abused as a child, or these horrible things happened to me. How do I appreciate that? Well, that takes time and, and work and understanding that appreciating something like that is not about just saying, yay, that happened to me. That was the best thing ever. It's really going and doing the deep work of seeing it through the eyes of source, seeing it through the eyes of a non-judgmental entity to the point where the light comes through and it works. It absolutely works. And it's the most transformative thing to date that I have learned or that I've taught anyone is to release that transgressor energy because those are the things that, that weigh us down. Those are the things that are active in our subconscious mind that keep us from manifesting the things that we want. And very often we are looking for things to soothe the pain of the trauma. We think, I, I thought if I have a big enough house, I'm going to get over the fact that my mother didn't love me unconditionally or that my father left when I was six. If I drive the right car, I'm going to show the world. And I had all that stuff and it didn't change any of that. All that stuff was still back there swimming around until I went in and did this detuning work to fully appreciate all of it as my manifestation, understanding how a little kid can manifest something really unwanted. It's not about deserving it or wanting it or anybody's fault or paying a debt for a past life or any of that stuff. We get rid of all of that. It's not about blame. It's not about fault. And it's not about being a victim. It's about a deep understanding of how vibrational flow works and how the law of attraction is like gravity. We attract everything all the time. It's gravity. It's always on. It's never off. You don't use it or not use it. You flow with vibrational flow or not. And we're all about flowing with vibrational flow in this practice. Okay. So do you not, or do you believe, I guess I should say, that we come to earth with certain lessons that we have chosen to learn so that we can move forward? To me, that's what it sounds like when these things happen to us, that, that we chose those prior to being incarnated. Do you believe that? I do. The, the stream gets really deep into this. And when I come back another time and I get deep into channeling, we, you can go really deep into that with them. Right, right. And they make sense of a lot of these things. And, and when I started channeling on the level where I could Q&A with them and then write it and then ultimately speak it, that's when all of the amazing information really came out about our purpose why we're here, how we choose our paths vibrationally. And it's interesting. We, we tend to get very, as human beings, we quantify everything and we want to measure everything because we're in a physical realm and that's a physical quality. The energetic realm is a lot more gray. You know, there's, 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 there's a sort of a, a vibrational flow to all things and things are changing and evolving constantly because of that. So vibrationally, we are all 
becoming more powerful beings. We, we are all moving more and more and more into merging with source. We are part of source to begin with, but as we experience expressions in physical, we move more into the core and empower the core and expand the core of source, which is the universe, expands the universe. And we choose our paths because of the, the circumstances that are going to be delivered. And what the stream taught me that I love so much is understanding that beings that choose a more difficult path are consciousness beings that are specifically wanting to have the difficult path for the, for the growth that is offered in it. I think it's the same thing said in a different way of, right. of how I believe all of this. For some people who may not understand how channeling works, can you give us a little idea of how you connect with the stream? Certainly. So my path to allowing the stream, because I, I, you know, if you hear Esther Hicks' story, Esther did not know this existed or any part of it, and then had a more miraculous experience that was, I believe, sort of drawn from her, from her husband, who did believe in it. And my experience was not exactly like that. I've always had the knowing I've always allowed the knowing part of it, the, what she calls blocks of thought, downloads, whatever you want to call them. The knowing has always been there. The moving from the knowing to being so comfortable with it because of Esther that it flows in such a way that I still get some physical symptoms in my body when they are present and I'm allowing them. But I can also engage in speech and in writing and just allow it to flow. And it's essentially my persona is stepping back and I'm allowing that consciousness to flow through me and I can write it. I can speak it. I can feel it. I know when it's here. I know when I'm somewhat merged with them and they're flowing. Anytime I'm feeling good, they're somewhat here. They're, they're giving me ideas They're guiding me. And, and this is true for everyone on that level. Do you the go into Sorry, do you go into a deep meditative state prior to accessing the stream? I will make sure if I know that I'm going to be channeling, and generally with my calendar, I know when I'm going to be channeling, I do make sure that I do a good meditation, make sure my vibe is is really clean and high, you know, that I'm not fretting about something or holding myself away from that source energy. Uh, So I keep myself in that state. The Taya practice really is about keeping yourself in an elevated state almost all the time. And that's, that's a big, big component of it. That's why your life changes so much with it. So I practice what I teach and I practice Taya and I keep my vibe pretty high all the time. So then I can come on a podcast. I, I do a few of these a week, including my own. And I have this interaction. I meet somebody that is thrilled to have me on. The vibe is high. You know, you're wanting to talk to the stream. I'm wanting to channel. All the components are there to have them come through. I get quiet for a moment, take some deep breaths, and it connects instantaneously. And I mean, it's just moments and they're there and they're flowing and you know that it's them and not me. You can tell the difference. Um, And then they, they answer, they, they sometimes will come with an agenda and speak about something specifically. Usually if it's a one-on-one, they sort of allow the person that's interviewing to ask questions and they just start answering questions. They, I have never seen them not answer anything. Uh, They've never been stumped. They have never been offended. They don't get offended. (laughs) I promise you that. Well, they don't judge. They don't judge any of it. I'm very aligned with their energy in that I am fine whether someone believes that it is real or not. 
Right. They can take the information in whichever way they choose. Exactly. Exactly. You say you are channeling, is it source, but you say beings, it's more than just, and it's hard to define, I know, because we as humans want to put a picture to something. That's why they always have pictures of God and pictures of Jesus. When I started doing it, I used sort of the Abraham terminology more, you know, non-physical entities or beings. Now I don't do that. It's it's all the same because we like to quantify. We want to think of it as non-physical entities, which sources that, or beings sources that too. But it it is source. We are all connected to source. And I know that there are other people that channel other things, and that's their path, and that's what they're channeling. I know it to be source. Right. And they will come through and say, we are the source of all creation. We are original thought. We are in all of you. So there are people who I think because of a religious upbringing, perhaps, don't want to say that they channel source because then people think that you're trying to say that you're God. Yeah, I don't I don't see myself that way. I think we're all connected to source and what I channel is source. But that doesn't make me superior or I don't even think I'm special. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, so. it's, it's interesting because the people who don't believe in the stream that is going through you, are taught in most religions that God is within, that we are God. You know, at least that's what I grew up learning. Well, I grew up in a spiritualist and a regular religious household. So, but you're always told that God is within. So I don't know why people wouldn't understand that we all have that God-given power within. And I feel that it is people like you, your job to ignite that, as I like to ignite people's spark, you're igniting that God within or that source within, because your purpose, as I understand it, is to help others access their own consciousness inside, Absolutely. their own higher consciousness. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no rules in this. There's no worship. There's no idolization of me or the stream. If the stream resonates, I understand that the stream resonates with people that that are in into the stream, and they love being in my presence, and they love hearing it. Uh, but I'm very, very clear that I'm a human being, and I am imperfect, and I am enjoying my. In fact, on my podcast, I share whatever I'm going through. That's uh, sort of a down vibe manifestation. I, I am the first to share that. I'll always share how I'm utilizing that as as an expansive. Uh, uh, situation, but I will be the first to share it because I don't believe in this enlightened guru, you know, person that is that is the embodiment of perfection. I don't think any of our gurus were ever that to begin with, no. past or present. And they were teachers, and they were made that by other people. That's right. And exactly. I used to really, and again, this was part of uh, again some old judgment stuff I had to detune. When I first started sharing the stream, I was very into this. We're not a cult. We're not a cult. We're not a cult. (laughs) And then I watched a documentary on cults. And at the end of the documentary, the first thing they said is, the first thing cults say is that they're not cults. And so I started (laughs) laughing at myself. I'm like, well, I guess I need to stop saying that I'm not a cult. But then at the end, they put Esther Hicks up as a cult. Oh, my goodness. And you know what dawned on me, though, Kim, was like, wow, people are going to judge me however they're going to judge me. And that's none of my business. That's if right. People want to call this a cult, let them call me a cult. If they want to put me in their documentary as that, if they want to say I'm evil, there's some things that that the stream teaches that I think mainstream Christianity might label evil. The idea of, of appreciating your transgressors and, and being in the darkness and allowing the light to shine through the darkness, you know, that stuff is demonized. 
in our society, especially in religion. And we're all about go into it, go into it with intention, go into it w- without fear, but go into it because that's where all of your, your sadness, your darkness, your, your abundance blocks, all of that stuff is all wrapped up in that. Yeah. And as long as you try to bypass that stuff, you're just being cheerful. Right. Now, what you said, that was important, what you said. And I've had other people on my podcast who have expressed something similar in a different way. That's where your abundance blocks lie. It's those energy blocks that we need to release. And I think it's okay to have lots of different people teaching lots of different ways. It's all the same thing. It's just your way of teaching your way of channeling the stream is going to reach the people who need to hear it. Esther Hicks way is going to reach the people who need to hear it because some people can't accept that they need to overcome their dark side, their shadow side, whatever. And they may need to hear it your way, you know, the transgressors. And that's great. It's not going to resonate with everybody, but the bottom line is every single person wants to be happier wealthier they want we all want something because that's why we're here to learn to grow to become the best person of ourselves that we can be even if people don't realize it so you channeling the stream is going to reach certain people and not reach others but that's okay because as you said we're all human and we're all here to learn and your way of teaching is definitely going to resonate with people not a one size fits all world for sure. And, and what I love the, the clarity that I've gotten in that every single experience that humanity is having, even if we judge it as awful or evil or negative, it all serves the expansion of humanity, planet earth and the universe that the expansion is coming from these, these different experiences and, and our real expansion comes in the experiencing challenges and overcoming them. Absolutely, absolutely, especially right now, right? In this time where we are, I'm going to say coming out of a global pandemic, let's be positive about this, but it has really had to awaken so much within so many people. And I will say, and I'm sure you agree that it is not all bad. There have been many positive lessons that we have learned. Yeah, I, I I look at everything as it's all positive. Now, I don't love that my gym shut down. I don't. I live in Southern California. Well, you're in California too, right? So we have a lot of limitations on how we operate our lives for the last year. We still can't go eat inside a restaurant right now. My gym is still appointment only in the parking lot. Uh, you know, all of that stuff is a reality. I don't love wearing a mask. I do wear one because I have to, but I don't love wearing a mask everywhere. I would I would love for things to go back to the way they were, but I know that things aren't going to go back to the way they were because there is expansion offered in this experience. And there's so much of it. Um, our, our Taya message and the spreading this message has expanded significantly in this last year because people are looking for answers. I have gotten such clarity on who my true friends are. I've gotten clarity that that I had some friendships here in Palm Springs, which is a very social city, that were very surface-level conditional friendships. And when the opinions differed, the friendship ended. My friendships don't have to end because someone has a different opinion than me, but I had some friends that did. 
And not because my opinion was different, but because I wouldn't take a side. That's I love that clarity, though. That, right. that all of that is growth. All of that is expansion. Well, don't you navigating think that, this is expansion? Don't you think that now we are sort of on that fast track? I feel like this has brought us this time in which we find ourselves. Oh, it's it's a, it's a sign of ascension for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, and look what all is happening. And, and the stream talks about this a lot. And the next time I come on, you can, it can be all channeling. But they talk about how as, as we are ascending to a higher vibration, we, because we're becoming more wise, we're communicating like never before. We create this pandemic and there's there's two sides to every topic in this, this physical world. So there's always going to be something positive and there's always going to be something negative to find on any topic. Well, the positive is, is that we've learned how to live life differently. We've learned that we don't need to spend hours a day commuting necessarily to an office to do the same job. Think about how silly that is. How full, you know, our, our, our cities are so full and so dense. And we, we leave a building and get in a vehicle and sit in traffic to travel to another building to do exactly what we could do at home on the same device or a similar device. Right. And so now we're waking up to, wait a minute, we can be productive and work from home. We don't have to have two spaces and a vehicle and sit in traffic and all of that. We can communicate. We can find our tribe online like never before. Because you don't have the option necessarily of going and hanging out with all your friends. You've got to be more virtual. In this virtual world, you find people of like mind and begin communicating and learning from each other. It doesn't matter where they are on the planet. It, there's a lot of positive things that have come from this. Do I want to move on from people getting sick and masks and, and things being? Sure, sure. But there's a lot of positive in it as well. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I do miss in-person people. But I also have appreciated so much the opportunity to meet people such as yourself via this podcast and really connect. There's been a deep connection that has occurred during this time that I think is deeper than any other time in my life, of course. Before we close up, because we're getting near the end of our time together, I would like you, if you can, sort of briefly to talk about Taya and what, what you offer humans, people, in the trust your abundance mindset? Certainly. Well, the, the, the stream has a set of teachings that are very specific, very deep, and very profound. And what I found is the message is, is, is amazing. And, and, and people that love the stream love listening to the stream and participating. But I needed a practical application for my life. And that's what I created over that eight-year period for myself. And then when I left my corporate job, the unfolding was so magical of how I came to teach a course, how that course became Taya, how Taya became a practice, how I now have Taya boot camp. It just unfolded so magically and so quickly that it's clear that Taya is a practical application of the stream's teachings. And it's a system that you learn to live your life. It's like an operating system for a computer. It's an upgraded or updated operating system where you can live in today's environment with our, our current set of rules and, and current thoughts and current vibration, how you can operate at a very zoomed out level, meaning source perspective, detune fear, detune judgment, detuning all of the aspects of the past, really learning to, to know where you are vibrationally all the time, and ultimately raising your default vibration. And when you raise your default vibration, that is awakening. And we, we often call our master classes awakening to abundance because the key to abundance and an abundant life is not about learning how to manifest money. 
it really is about creating this, this source connection and allowing the universe to, to just blow you away with the things that come. Friendships, health, uh, just everyday activities, interactions with other people, money, success, freedom. Freedom's a big one. All of it, all of it just flows because you're not even needing it anymore. You're loving yourself and you're loving humanity so much that the abundance is just a natural aspect of that. Ooh, that's, that's beautiful. That's what Taya is all about. That's beautiful. Loving yourself and loving humanity. That's a great gift and a great way of being in the world. And if we can all learn to do that, that would be a gift from source for sure. Wow. Thank you. I mean, there's so much more to go into, and I really do want you to come back and I would love to chat with the stream of David. And really, because it fascinates me just because I'm a big believer in all of this. And I know that there are certain people listening who are probably like, okay, I don't get it. Because there is a lot more to it. What is your website, David? Certainly. The website is thestreamofdavid.com. And it is a good place to go and explore. We have a book. We have a podcast. We have guided meditations. We have all sorts of things. Facebook groups from thestreamofdavid.com, you get access to all of that stuff. And you can start learning the teachings. And in the beginning, it seems heavy and like it's a lot of information, but it makes sense of every aspect of humanity and every aspect of your life if you allow it to start to weave together for you. So thestreamofdavid.com is the best place to start. I think that's great. As long as we are open to learning new things, and I don't know that everybody is, and it's not their time. But I feel like when you take that step, if you go to a website, if you're interested in the stream of David, and you go to the website, you've already started the process. You've already started the process of manifestation, of letting go of preconceived notions of what is or what has to be or what had to be. And you're opening yourself up to the light. You're igniting your spark. I love that. And you know what I tell people? Listen to the teachings and apply it in your life and see what happens. Do your own experimentation, whether it's our teachings or someone else's. Apply it in your life and see if it's the right thing for you. If it helps, if it works, if you have evidence, then you're going to be inspired to do more. Oh, that's a great, great way of putting it. Thank you. I am so grateful for your time with us today, David. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was, it was my pleasure. It really was. And to all of you out there listening, thank you for listening in to this conversation with David. I know if you go to his website, you will find a nugget. You will find something that will help you to ignite your spark and get you on your way to manifesting whatever it is that your soul desires. So you know what I have to say? Shine on. Walk through life. Every day is a new beginning. Shine your light. It's a day and the world is waiting. Move along to the song singing in your soul. Feel the beat, clap your hands.